And the modern seller is working remote. They are not absorbing all the best practices from their teammates all day long. That's going to be something that really hurts sellers because I learned so many tips, tricks, and tactics from listening inside the office. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hey, listeners of the podcast, we've put together an exciting community where you can dive deeper into the content of every single episode. And for those of you who join this community from the podcast, we'll give you an access to a course we've just put together worth $500, all yours for free, while we're sending this out to our listeners of the podcast. Simply go to sellingwithlove.com forward slash podcast to be eligible to get this course for free. And we look forward to seeing you in the community. Thanks again for listening. And now, Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Now, today, I'm super excited to introduce a new concept within sales that you might not have considered, which is actually sales intelligence. What does it mean? How do we use it? And that is the conversation we're going to be focused on today. And the man that I have to speak on this topic is none other than Jamie Shanks, who's the founder and CEO of Sales for Life, the world's largest social selling training program for mid-market and enterprise companies. He's also the CEO of Pipeline Signals, which helps sales teams redirect their focus to selling instead of spending too much time on the research. He's trained thousands of sales professionals from Fortune 500s to solopreneurs, and he's had workshops delivered at big companies such as American Airlines, Intel, Oracle, Microsoft, and so many more. The man has written the book, Social Selling Mastery, Scaling Up Your Sales and Marketing Machine for the Digital Buyer, which was a nominal one Amazon hot new release in sales, and he's also the author of Spear Selling, the ultimate account-based sales guide for modern digital sales professionals. With us today, I have to also add, the man is a fellow alumni from the same school that I went to in Ottawa, Canada, so glad to see a familiar Canadian on the show. Jamie, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I love, we kind of had this conversation because you talk about a lot of specialties, processes when it comes to sales. And the one that caught most of my attention here was this concept of sales intelligence. And I just want to know, is this a new term? And if it is, then what should we know about this term? And is it something we can use? I don't know that it's a new term, but with technology, it is becoming a force in selling. And we'll back up and talk about the reason why. So as a sales professional, let's pretend you're a new sales professional. The percentage chance that you hit your sales quota statistically is now less than 50%, according to Gartner. And the reason being is that time is your biggest vampire or enemy for most sellers because sales professionals many times struggle with time management. The biggest piece to time management is account selection and account prioritization. And what that means is you live in Asia Pacific, as an example. So you're targeting Australasia. So Australia and New Zealand, as an example, that is your geographic territory. If you were to open up a phone book, you know, I'm dating myself here, but even digitally, and just start calling companies through the alphabet, A, B, C, D, that is a subjective, poor decision because 
the right buyer for you might be in the letter W. So what sales intelligence helps you do is it prioritizes which accounts you should focus on today, not tomorrow. And should you go after account A versus account B? And there are different categories of sales intelligence. There are, as an example, what's called buying intent. So imagine somebody raises their hand on your website or Google's a keyword. They tell you, I am interested in a topic. That is a category that you should focus in on. Another one is relationships, the one that we focus in on. So as an example, who left my happy customers and went into a prospect that meets my ideal customer profile? Well, shouldn't I focus on them before I call other companies? So sales intelligence is, think of it as a routing and a segmentation tool that helps you figure out why should I do something today and not in the future and focus your energy on those accounts. And it's very objective. Now, that's great because it seems like the demands for the salesperson can actually be increased today. We're assuming more results need to be pumped out. And especially as we're heading towards maybe more difficult times, I feel like the pressure is definitely going to be on to produce those results. And this sounds like a great idea. And of course, nobody wants to grab a phone book. It's already hard enough and can be sometimes stressful enough to get into a sales conversation with a stranger, let alone someone that you might know nothing about where they stand. And so if I'm just starting out, I know typically you work with bigger companies, but if I'm just starting out and I want to at least be able to have a little more intelligence in the way that I do my prospecting and I reach out to people, is there a place to start? The same way that I started 10 years ago when I started Sales for Life. I won one company in Toronto, Canada. It was a market research firm called Vision Critical. And what I did is I wrote down the name of that company in the center of a sheet of paper and I circled it. Then I stared at it and I thought to myself, who cares about that story? And the companies and people that care about that story live within one degree of separation, one degree of connection from that story, such as who no longer works at Vision Critical that now has up and left and became the vice president of sales or the vice president of marketing of another company? Or what about the people that I'm working with within Vision Critical today? I open up their LinkedIn profiles, go into their LinkedIn connections and look at who do they know. And then I can ask for referrals from those people. So these are examples of what's called the sphere of influence. And what it allows you to do is to turn one customer into four, five, six, seven prospects, you go win one more, you circle it, and you do your spider webbing again. And it's that reverse engineering that helps you scale accounts. Now, that's awesome because we often just try to go from, you know, cold, do our research, have a target market. Like I'm assuming anybody listening to this has an idea of who their ideal client target market is or avatar is or persona is, whatever is the coolest term in the industry for this year. But that being said, you're now actually being very proactive on who to reach out to based on the referral. We know that some referral is going to actually bring you a lot more chances to get your foot in the door, to start the conversation and to close the deal, especially if you've been serving that customer really well. Is LinkedIn a great tool that you advocate as a primary source to start doing sales more intelligently? LinkedIn, I believe, is the most important business to business tool that maybe has been created in the last decade. Because what it offers is two parts to selling. So sales, or let's call it prospecting. So the art of business development is a left brain and a right brain motion. The left side of the brain collects data, facts, and intelligence to make informed decisions. The right side of the brain 
translates that information into stories so that you can act bold and different to tell stories to your customers or prospects. So LinkedIn actually offers both. On the left side of the brain, it tells you where people work, where they're going, where they came from, who they're connected to, who are their competitors. So it is a treasure trove of data and intelligence. And on the right-hand side, I can also use the same tool to engage in people's social posts. I can write them a message. I can join LinkedIn groups. I can speak to people in ways that 10 years ago I couldn't do. So LinkedIn, if harnessed correctly, I feel very fortunate based on my age and time coming into the sales world at the advent of LinkedIn, that this tool was invented because I lived in a sales world pre-LinkedIn and post-LinkedIn. And I can tell you they are vastly different. Well, I almost feel like you might've sharpened your chops out of the LinkedIn world because we talk about doing sales intelligence or being intelligent in the way that we reach out. But you said that the way you need to use LinkedIn is in an intelligent way as well. I maybe want to highlight what are some of the red flags or let's put a, you know, a professional world, the dumb ways that people could use a tool like LinkedIn, or maybe some of the skills we haven't refined because we get it too easy with LinkedIn now. There's a couple things. One is basic human etiquette needs to be applied. So as an example, something called the law of reciprocity. If I want to do business with yourself, if I give you something in advance and then ask later, I have a greater probability that my ask will be received. So what sellers fail at doing is they just go right in for the kill. Their LinkedIn connection request is like a, a mercy cry for come meet with me. Uh, their LinkedIn messages are just overtly, you know, come please book a meeting with me. But you haven't earned that right. So the law of reciprocity dictates read some of their content, comment on it share an article with them, share some best practices, and then loop back for the ask. The second is crap in is crap out. And what that means is if you have an email cadence or sequence that isn't working, you've been sending off thousands of emails, they're going nowhere. Why do you think that the medium of LinkedIn is just going to be magically different when you send a LinkedIn email as an example? It, it is not. And so refining what you say is equally as important because it is not a magic tool that will bypass the elements of bad emails. Yeah, I can definitely see when I'm getting these connection requests or in-mail that are so generic, non-differentiating, you just cancel it out. But then I notice how much I'll light up when someone reaches out to me and I can see they've genuinely added a note, let's say, for their connection request. And that's always something that I highlight for because you get connection requests with no notes. You're like, what is this? Who is this? And why are they connecting with me? So that's definitely one of the things I've noticed. And as we grow our presence, let's say, on LinkedIn, and I know we weren't supposed to focus on LinkedIn here, but it seems to be the topic of the hour. What are some of the first steps we should be looking at? Because I even look at you, you have tons of followers. Is that something that is a prerequisite to go out and reach out? Because it can be intimidating if you're just getting started. It's not a prerequisite, but think of it as building a email database subscription for your own company. Remember that if you're working for another business, you are still what's called an intrapreneur, not an entrepreneur. An intrapreneur is somebody who is building their own book of business. And as you grow your LinkedIn network, every time I post content, more eyeballs see that content. They're then drawn into learning more about a topic. 
I then become the centerpiece to that topic, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it is not a requirement, but it is a best practice to create a social selling routine, which basically, as I share content, I look at who's consuming that content or checking out my LinkedIn profile or liking or commenting on that content. I add them to my social network, which is like a newsletter, and I do it again, and I do it again, and it grows and it grows. And what happens is when you, like myself, 20,000 LinkedIn followers, what happens is I create a lot of inbound flow over time. But to get started, you need to first start on the top of that loop, which is you need to share valuable insights to the market for people to warrant wanting to come to talk to you. So I love how we've talked about at this point, if we're getting out there and we have an existing client, you can actually use a tool like LinkedIn. You can see where people are moving towards different organizations. What are the ends connect with other similar accounts that you could do business with. And one of my favorite is that it actually recommends a lot of similar people, even if you're doing an individual reach outs. So for example, I'm always looking for people to bring on my podcast. So that's a sales cycle in itself. And just as I look at a profile like yours, I see a list of other guests that could come on my show. So it becomes very tailored to find individuals that are quite similar. And yeah, if you're just trying to, what do they call the expression, trying to shoot spaghetti on the wall, see what sticks. Here we're actually placing one spaghetti strand at a time and nurturing and ensuring that it sticks so that we're not wasting any of that time. Because in essence, this is where we're getting back to is doing research, doing outreach and trying to customize messages to any random person is very time consuming. And you're saying you can use intelligence to spend the time on the ones that really matter. Now, that being said, if let's say I am outside of the LinkedIn ecosystem, are there any other intelligent tools? I know yourself, you have a company that takes more intelligence. So what are the other things we can start looking at so we can be more intelligent in the way that we approach new sales cycles or new people in the pipeline? Yeah, ultimately, if you look at technology stacks from a sales intelligence, what most sales organizations have are one or both of elements. They have left brain, data, intelligence, facts, coming inbound. That could be Zoom info. That could be buying intent software. There's many in that category, Six Sense, Bombora, Demand Base. And then on the relationship side of who's connected to who, who came from what customer, who took a new job, that's what our sales intelligence does, pipeline signals. And then the other side is companies will then invest on the right side of the brain. So sales engagement platforms. So that allows you to engage customers at scale, allowed you to monitor the conversation rates, like it actually listens to the conversations and helps you with conversational intelligence. It helps you with your email best practices or LinkedIn messaging best practices. So you can look up a category called sales engagement platforms. That's very common in most of our customers. Left brain and right brain have to be tackled. So we talk about sales intelligence and we also talk about the rays of artificial intelligence. Are you of the thought? I mean, I remember in the 90s, right? They're saying, oh, the rise of the internet, we're going to be able to find all the information we need ourselves. We won't need salespeople anymore. And now we need them more than ever because there's too much information. And here we are seeing these amazing tools that are emerging that are automating a lot of the work from a salesperson. So do you have a vision of how does a salesperson evolve? Are there new changes that we need to adapt to? And are we even going to need salespeople in the future? Which is always the big question. Yeah. So 
unless you're in business to consumer selling, which can have a product-led growth, so everything is online, self-serve, let's take my world, complex business to business. Sellers will never be replaced. What will be replaced is think of selling, think of almost anything as $5 an hour tasks and $500 an hour value creators. $5 an hour tasks. Imagine you had 10,000 accounts you wanted to figure out which accounts should you work on first. You wanted to know who worked there, what are their email addresses, LinkedIn profiles. That is called a rote and mechanical data set. Artificial intelligence will capture that intelligence off the public web or other domains to apply humans to do that long-term, and especially sales professionals, you're paying sellers for outcomes, not to do research. So I believe long-term, what will happen is the very bottom of the sales career ladder that data collectors, that will be removed. What is going to then be the focus is going to be on value creation, spending time on pitches, on wins, on all the things that it takes to get the customer over the line. High important customer success details. That's where it's going to be the big focus. I also love the fact that you said you've bridged the gap between the new generation of salespeople using a lot of these technologies, including LinkedIn being available, but you actually got to experience how it was happening before. Do you think you have one of those skills that you nurtured from before that you think will be even more important as we move forward and is one of the foundations we should focus on as we try to train ourselves as better salespeople? The part that's going to hurt future sales generations because many sellers in the last five plus years have become remote, I call it water cooler learning. So when I started my sales career, number one, LinkedIn didn't exist. Number two, I barely had a computer at my desk. So I was in a bullpen of 30 other brokers. I actually was in commercial real estate when I started my sales career. And I could hear them on the phones all day long. It was exactly like what people picture a bullpen looks like. And it was from the movies. And what would happen is as a rookie, I would see you know a veteran get up and go to the water cooler. I would pretend that I was thirsty. I would get up, you know, I'd get a glass of water. I would ask them questions and best practices. I would sit in my bullpen and I would listen through osmosis, gather what was being said in the air of the office. And the modern seller is working remote, is working from their pajamas at their dining room table. They are not absorbing all the best practices from their teammates all day long. That's going to be something that really hurts sellers because I learned so many tips, tricks, and tactics from listening inside the office. But there's valuable reasons why companies have gone remote. But that's a piece of sales intelligence I gathered that they won't have. Well, hopefully we're going to have a bit more innovative or integrated, or at least maybe through virtual reality, we're going to have to be able to recreate some of these experiences to be able to learn through role modeling, et cetera. But yeah, I would say that's going to be a piece that's missing, especially since I feel most companies are looking to keep their costs low, leave the salespeople in the home, don't need to get the office space. It seems to be a powerful trend right now. So I guess even more will need to be spent on educating ourselves. But luckily, we're going to get a jump start with a lot of the sales intelligence tools that are coming out there from a place of the technology available. I 
wanted to ask you one more question, Jamie, which is, you know, you're here on the Selling with Love podcast, and I'd just love to know what your opinion on that philosophy is and what does selling with love mean to you? Well, for me, I didn't ever want to be a seller. So I wanted to be a stockbroker. I worked at Bank of Montreal, Nesbitt Burns, while I was at the University of Ottawa, worked there for three years. I was convinced I was going to be a stockbroker. And then I was there for the 2000-2001 crash. And it got me a little jaded as to realizing that a stockbroker was a salesperson. They didn't pick stocks. So long and the short is I thought I wouldn't love selling. And then I got into selling and it turns out I was really good at it and I loved helping people and eventually started a consulting company to help people. I believe you can't be half pregnant, so to speak, in sales. You can't treat it as a job. There are other roles and responsibilities in a company. You can mail in your day-to-day work. Selling is not one of those. I think that it is as focused a role as almost the CEO has in a business. And so I think something for your listeners to think about. If you're new to sales or you're questioning your need to be in sales, really sit down and question that. Because if you can't picture doing this for 40 years and becoming the best of the best, this could become hell on earth. But if you really love it, it is the most rewarding role in any organization. It makes the most money. It has the most freedom and flexibility, has the most autonomy. It is an entrepreneur within a business. So that's what selling with love is. You have to love it. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and giving us some more insights on sales intelligence. For everybody listening, you know, the big takeaways for me here is we're getting more access to information on ways to do sales in a smart way. LinkedIn being one of the technologies that's available to see how we're connected with the existing people we're serving and how you can start by being very laser focused and go one sale at a time, especially at the beginning by seeing who's connected with the existing people you are serving. That being said, we still have some key things where we'd want to be human to human human, bringing that left side analytical stuff and access to data that comes from sales intelligence, but also seeing how we can bring the art of selling the right side of the brain, the creativity by seeing best case practices. And a lot of these tools also are prompting us on the ways that we can reach out in more intelligent ways. I'm very excited to see that the future of sales is going to continue to take away the tasks that most people find tedious, boring, annoying, and inconsistent so that we can be focused on the highest value creation that we have, which at the end of the day is connecting with other humans, solving key problems, and using the tools at our disposal to serve the many and multiply our impact. So with that, Jamie, thank you so much for being here. For those of you who want to go deeper, definitely go and check out Jamie's LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link into the show notes. He has a ton of content that is being shared regularly, has a huge following, and you'll probably be inspired on how to go deeper into the sales world if you decide that this is a passion that you like to go deeper in and realize all the benefits that happen, whether you decide to do it within an organization as an entrepreneur, which is something I've done for the longest time, or to build your own business, recognizing that this is going to be a key skill you will need to bring success in your life and make the impact you've always wanted. Jamie, once again, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks a lot for the invite. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.